Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Let's pray together. Father, we are before you at this time, and I thank you for the Perrys and for the Boswells and for both of them uh, who, not we, you know, we're not, we're not so much thankful for what happened, but we're thankful for what you did with what happened. And uh, we're grateful that, that you are sovereign and powerful, and when we yield ourselves fully to your lordship, that you do what we could never imagine. And we just pray for little Davis, that he would continue to grow and be healthy, and you'd bless both of these families and all the little children who are ministered to at the PICU that's now the John Clark Perry PICU, God, that uh, we thank you for the doctors and the skilled care workers that, that are involved in that. We thank you for your word. And I pray right now that I would be clear and that you would be visible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amy and I were trying to get out of town, and so we had a lot of little details to do. Amy's trying to, you know, get everything washed, get everything packed. You know how it goes. And I said, is there anything I can do to help? And she said, well, we've got that Amazon return. We need to return to Amazon, and you can take it down to Kohl's, and Kohl's will do the return. It's super easy. Well, she knows how bad I hate returns, right? Because to me, I would rather just suffer the loss. Are you guys with me on this? It's so confrontational. When I take the return back, it means either you sold me some junk that I didn't want or I'm too dumb to know what to buy. And I don't like to admit either one of those things. So is it worth $16? I don't think so. I'll pay $16 not to take it back, right? But Amy wanted to take it back because we always take returns back because that's what you do. And so she said, it's super easy. Don't worry about it. You just go down to Kohl's. There's a big sign, you just drop it off. I said, okay, I'll do it. And she said, now look, it's at the back of the store. You got to walk. She starts telling me how to do this. You got to walk through the store like I'm three years old. You got to walk through the store. You'll take a little left. You'll see a big sign. It's Amazon. And by now I've stopped listening to her because I'm a grown man, right? I can do this. So later on that afternoon, she said, isn't it easy taking a return back to Kohl's for Amazon? And I said, well, it would be if I hadn't gone to Belk's. <laughs> You know, I think that's probably a common mistake. I mean, it has to be. The names are so similar. They're both just little four-letter words, and they both have an L and a K in them. So obviously, anybody can make that mistake. And Amy is crying with laughter at the thought of me wandering around Belks trying to take an Amazon back. And I'll tell you this, I don't know that I've ever been in Belks. It's a big store, and there's lots of stuff in there. And I'm wandering around Belks, And Amy's just in tears. But I'll tell you this about Belks. They don't know the first thing about an Amazon return. I'll tell you that right now. Because I'm wandering around and finally I asked directions and I said, hey, can you tell me where you do the Amazon returns? And she says, she kind of looks at me weird and she goes, the returns are by the men's. It's up at the front of the store. And I'm thinking, well, you got that wrong because I remember Amy saying it's at the back of the store. So then I'm thinking, well, maybe she came through a different door. And so I go up and I'm looking for an Amazon sign. There's no Amazon sign, but there is a sign that says returns. And there's three ladies in it. So I queue up and I'm in the return sign and I'm still looking for the Amazon sign because I do remember her mentioning something about that. And I'm looking, there's no Amazon sign. So now I'm thinking, well, am I on the wrong line? So I asked the lady, is this where you return the Amazon stuff? And she says, we don't do that here. Well, I think you do. My wife told me you do. 
And the three ladies in front of me simultaneously turn around because here's a man who's made a mistake and we get the opportunity now. They all turn around right at once and they go, that's Coles. And I didn't have the time to say, where am I? You know, because that's what I'm thinking. Where am I? And they said, this is Belk's. And I'm like, Belk's, Coles, what's the difference? You know, and, and they're like, Coles is over. You go and they start giving me directions. So now I'm wandering around Coles and I'm looking and I remember it's the back of the store and I'm kind of looking around and the lady says, can I help you? And I said, do I look that lost? And she said, yes, you do. And I said, do you know where the Amazon returns are? And I said that just as I saw this giant sign right beside her that said Amazon returns here. <laughs> and There's all this lying stuff. You know what I learned from that experience? I learned two things. I probably need to listen better, and I need help. I think we all need help. I don't think I'm alone in this. I think you need help. I think I need help. We all need help. And that's why God gave us to each other, so that we can help each other. There are times in our lives where we need help on a variety of different levels. And I'll tell you one that I want to pick up today because we're talking about we're better back together. And here it is. We need help speaking truth to each other. I need to know what you know because you know stuff that I don't know. And, and, and so one of the great reasons for us to come back together is this is where we help each other. I mean, I would still be in belts wandering around today if those three ladies hadn't told me that that's not where you do that, that you got to go to Coles. So here's what I came to sort of think about as I was praying about this and I'm seeking God's spirit on this. It's like, okay, how does this impact our lives? And here it is. First of all, we live in a world of lies. I think that's the problem. You hear a lot these days about fake news and fake news on Facebook, fake news on Instagram, all this fake news. Well, I've got to tell you, that's not news. There's been fake news since the dawn of time. The first set of fake news ever propagated was in the Garden of Eden when Eve is standing in front of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the serpent shows up. Satan shows up in the form of a serpent and he's standing there with her and the first thing he does is deliver her a lie. The Bible says that he's a liar and he's the father of lies. And, and, and the funny thing about Satan is he's not very creative. He just keeps telling the same old lies. And you see that here. Let's talk about the lies we hear. I got just a couple. I've only got time for a couple. Okay. The, and, and these are probably the two most important. The first lie that we hear all the time is you can't trust God. That's what Satan said to Eve, Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said... You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, God didn't say that. He didn't say you couldn't eat from any tree. He said you just can't eat from that one tree. The woman said to the serpent, look, she knows the truth. From the fruit of the trees, plural, of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, singular, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And watch this, verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die. You know what the first thing he says to her is? God's lying to you. That's what he's saying. God's lying to you. You can't trust him. You're not going to die. He said you would die. But I'm telling you right now, not only will you not die, but you're gonna, your eyes are going to come open and you're going to become like God. Look at, look at the next verse, verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And so the underlying message of this is you can't trust God. He, he brought the same lie to Jesus in the temptation. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Before Jesus begins His public ministry, He goes through this temptation. The Bible says the Spirit led Him in, into the wilderness to be tempted, okay? And there are times where Jesus was brought into a tempting situation because God wanted to experience all the same things that we experience. We have a high priest who cannot be unsympathetic with us. He's been tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin, right? And so the first lie that he tells him is, you can't trust God. 4 verse 5, then the devil took him into the, into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hand they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Let me interpret that. God has said something that I don't know if we can trust, so let's put Him to the test. In other words, He's not to be trusted. But here's the funny thing. That's the same lie He's telling today. That's the same lie that's in our world today. You can't really trust God. You don't really know that He's working on your behalf. You can't really know for some even that He exists and for others that if He does exist that He has any bearing on your life at all. You can't trust Him. But look at what Jesus said. He said, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, I choose to trust Him and I'm not going to listen to your lies. Here's the second lie. Your desires matter most. Let's go back to Genesis 1, back to the garden, verse 6, Genesis 3. The woman saw that the tree was good. Now notice, she's looking at this tree. She saw that it was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. You got that? And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. And she took from it, from its fruit and ate. And she, she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Why did Eve eat that fruit? Did she eat that fruit because the serpent made her eat that fruit? I mean, that's the blame that we'll try to play. Did, did, did he open her mouth and stuff the fruit in? She ate it because she wanted to eat it. Why did Adam eat the fruit? Well, because of his wife. We've got to have somebody to blame, right? He tells the Lord later, it was that woman you gave me. Indirectly, he's blaming God. If you hadn't given me that woman, I wouldn't be in this fix. But why did Adam eat that fruit? He ate that fruit because he wanted to eat that fruit. Satan told that same lie to Jesus, Matthew 4, verse 2. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. So after 40 days and 40 nights, you're hungry. Where's he going to come at you? Well, he's going to come at you at the point of food, right? And that's where he hit him, at the point of his hunger. Matthew 4, verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And what he's saying in that is, <clears throat> let's, let's make your cravings, let's make your desires the most important thing of your life. Let's let our desires and our cravings consume every aspect of our life, that that becomes all that we're about. In other words, your desires matter more than everything else. Eve looks at that fruit. She knows the truth. Satan's deceiving her. And, and, and that desirability of it causes her to want it. So she buys that lie that if you want it, it ought to be yours. And that's the lie of our modern era. If it feels good, do it. If you desire it, take it. Uh, why, you deserve it. You owe it to yourself, right? And, and so life becomes nothing but the consummation of desire fulfilled. 
And the sad fact is that the more you seek to fill a desire, the greater the desire becomes. You feed a hunger and hunger grows. So look what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, my life isn't going to be the, the, uh, the culmination of satisfied desires. There's more important things than that. The interesting thing to me is that these lies were the lie at the garden, they were the lie in the temptation, and they're the lies we hear today. One, one sage said it this way, he said, old error in new dress is ever error nonetheless. We live in a world of lies. And those two dominant lies are dominating your world right now. Now here's the problem. It would be enough if that were it, but here's the other problem. We tend to believe the lies we hear. And that's the, that's the problem. Eve knew the truth, but she believed the lie. Why? Because she believed the lie because she wanted to believe the lie. She wanted to. And that's why we do it. We're, just looking for, we're not looking for a truth. We're looking for an excuse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, you're not unique in this. One of the things people think is, I'm the only one in the world that's ever gone through this thing, and that's just not true. Uh, you're not experiencing anything that someone else hasn't experienced. And God is faithful who will, with the temptation, look at this, He'll not tempt you beyond what you're able, but will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. In other words, in every tempting moment, in every tempting situation, there's an escape route. But here's the question. Why don't we take the escape? And here's the answer. Because we don't want to. James 1, 14. But each one is tempted when, and I look at this, he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You see that? Carried away. We're tempted when we get carried away. That's my problem. I get carried away. That's your problem. You get carried away. Once that, once that desire happens, we get carried away by it. I love that old country song, What Was I Thinking? Y'all remember that one? It's about this dumb things we do in the heat of passion. The lyrics went like this. Becky was a beauty from South Alabama. Her daddy had a heart like a nine-pound hammer. I love that line, a heart like a nine-pound hammer. That's a hard heart. I think he even did a little time in the slammer. What was I thinking? She snuck out at night and met me by the front gate. Her daddy came out waving that 12-gauge. We tore out the drive. He peppered my tailgate. What was I thinking? And you know what the obvious answer is? You weren't thinking because you were carried away. I mean, Becky was a beauty from South Alabama. Who couldn't be carried away by that? What was I thinking? A daddy with a nine-pound hammer heart? That's terrifying. Did a little time in the slammer? It's terrifying. Am I going to try to sneak out of the house with her? What was I thinking? You don't think. Because in that moment, the only thing you're thinking about is what you want. And that's how temptation works. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, and it's the best I've ever seen. And I've said it before, but I want you to see it again. And I'm putting it up so you can see it. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality. The only desire for the creature is real. The, on, the only reality is the devil. Satan does not here fill us with a hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. And now his falsehood is added to this proof of strength. The lust thus aroused envelops the mind and will of man in deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision 
are taken from us. Here's, look at this. If you Just look at this. The questions present themselves. Is what the flesh desires really sin in this case? Is it not really permitted to me? Yes, expected of me now here in my particular situation to appease desire. The tempter puts me in a privileged position as he tried to put the hungry son of God in a privileged position. I boast of my privilege against God. It is here that everything within me rises up against the Word of God. That's how it works. Why do I sin? I sin because I want to. Because in that moment, sin is better than everything else. There's this old Juice Newton country song from years ago. It said, if morning's echo says we've sinned, well, it's what I wanted now. And so we live in this world of lies. And, and, and to compound the problem, we tend to believe the lies we hear, not because we believe that it's a truth, but more because it validates our own passions and our own lusts because we've been carried away. And that's why I need you. And that's why you need me, because at that point, I need you to pull me back from that. When I get carried away, I need you to carry me back. And I need to hear the truth that you have to call me from the edge of that cliff, to call me from the pit of that darkness, so that I walk in the light. And so here's the third thing. I need the truth that you know. That's why we're better together. God gives us truth so that we can help each other. And one of the ways we do that is through sharing the truth He's given us. Uh, I love Proverbs 25, 11. Timely advice is lovely like golden apples in a silver basket. And there are things, there's truth that God has given in your life that other people desperately need to hear. The first is obvious. They need to hear your witness, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness. And what's a witness? It's someone who testifies to the truth that they have personally experienced. And so our calling is to bring the gospel to the lostness of this world because the world is lost. The problem is sin. Throughout the Bible, that's what's described as the basic problem of man. It's not a poor self-image. It's not poverty. It's not hunger. It's not oppressive governments. You have all of those things because of sin. But there's no way to eradicate those things without dealing with the sin that's in a person's life. Yes, all of those things come together. All of those things work in harmony to create uh, uh, dysfunctionality in a person's life. There's no question that that's true. But at the end of the day, the core problem is sin because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means that when we commit a single sin, we fall under death. It's not like we're going to die. We're already dead and we're spiritually dead. And that deadness of that condition is the very thing that people of our generation are experiencing. That's why they feel so lost. That's why they feel so empty. That's why they can have everything in the world and yet feel as if they have nothing. They know the shame. They know the guilt. They know the purposelessness of it. They know the senseless of it. And, And that's where you are right now without Christ. You're dead in sin. The Bible says all is sin and come short of the glory of God. Nobody's exempt from that. And so God loving us so much, He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. His son Jesus went to the cross and He fully atoned for sin. He satisfied the wrath of God on the cross. The sinless one became sin on our behalf. And the Bible says that grace that was poured out on the cross becomes available to us when we receive it by faith. And when we do that, listen, here's what happens. 
My sins are forgiven. My past is forgotten. I'm transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit, and I'm empowered to walk in a new life. And we have that truth that the world desperately needs. So that's where we start, and that's where you start. If you don't have Christ, then you're constantly struggling with that old lostness and that old darkness and everything that goes with it. And this morning, today, you need Jesus. But you know, even when we know Jesus, God's plan for us is to look more and more like Jesus, and He wants to change us into the image of His Son. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I drift from that. You know, there's a verse that says, pay close attention to your faith that you may not drift away from it as others do. And I do that. And you do that, right? And, and we get carried away. And so even in Christ, we come to this point. And so sometimes I need to be corrected. And I need you to correct me. Ephesians 4.14 As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Now look at this. This is the key. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Speaking truth in love to grow. Got it? I see three things here. First, we speak truth. He doesn't say speaking opinions. I had a preacher one time say, you know, opinions are like underwear. Everybody's got it, but you don't necessarily have to show it all the time. Right? He's not saying share your opinion. He's saying, speak truth. For me to give you truth, I've got to have truth, which means I've got to be time in His Word. I've got to be time with brothers who speak truth into my life. And, and so we share that truth. I know it's hard. Who wants to do that? Especially like in your own family. It's hard to be a witness to your family. It's hard to share Christ with others. And then it's hard to, when you see somebody going the wrong way, to step in and bring correction. Nobody wants to do that. And yet that's part of our calling. Look at uh, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Everybody wants to kiss everybody. Help me with truth. Because I get carried away by my own desires and I need a brother that will pull me back. That's why we're together. That's why I need you. But wrap it in love. You know, speak truth, but wrap it in love. I mean, you're not a machine gun. You're not just trying to tear people down. You're trying to build people up. The Bible says there's one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. But look at this. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Consider your words. Make your point redemptive. That's the third thing. You aren't punishing. You're trying to restore. And the goal is growth. Back to Ephesians 4.15. We are to grow up. See that? In all aspects. And so your goal is growth. Galatians 6.1, Dear brothers and sisters, in another, if, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, now look at this, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. We're talking about gentle correction, gentle compassion, and seeking heartfelt change. Because sometimes I need correction. But you know, sometimes I just need insight that truth that you speak, sometimes it's corrective, but sometimes it's just, I need insight. I get stuck. I don't, I, it's a complicated world. And there are times I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to think. 
And I don't know where to go with that. And that's why I need the wisdom of people who've already been down there. I need, God, God's got a life message for every one of us. Every experience of your life, the, the Perrys can speak about loss in ways that I never could. And God, un- unfortunately, that becomes their life message. Other people have insights that are far deeper than anything I know. And I need that because I'm going to run into those points in my life and I'm going to get stuck. It's not so much that I'm lost in sin as I'm lost in life. And you know things that I, I, I need to hear what you know. You know, uh, uh, like I said, I grew up in a marginally Christian home. I, we, we didn't go to church very often, two or three times a year maybe. And my, I had a great dad. I mean, my dad taught me about business. He taught me about life. He taught me about academics. He, taught me, he set a great high standard for me. Uh, he taught me about athletics. Um, but he didn't teach me much about spiritual things. Um, in fact, I baptized my dad when he was 56 years old, which is kind of cool. But uh, I'm a young guy in ministry, and I don't have that foundation. There's a lot... I, I, I know I don't know a lot of things, but I don't even know what I don't know. Does that make sense? I just I know I don't know, but I don't know what I don't know. And I don't even know the questions to ask. And so what I did was I would find godly men that I respected and I would get very close to them. So I'm like 23 years old. I'm hanging out with 55-year-old dudes because I wanted to hear what they knew. And there's this one guy in particular that, that really invested in me. His name was Harold. And uh, I've told this story before. I was in this church, and there was this couple in the church that hated ministers. I don't know why. They just, why are they in church? They just hated pastors. And so they're making life miserable. I'm 23. I go to a a conference, like an evangelism conference or something. It was in Dallas. And I take Amy, and Amy's with me. And uh, um, it's at Reunion Arena, and there's the Reunion Tower. You know, it looks like a dandelion at night on the Dallas skyscape. And, and so I said, well, it would be really cool to go to that restaurant. So I saved up the money in advance. Back in those days, it was like $60, which is like $300 now. And, um, and so I'm, I'm going to take Amy to that restaurant. We're going to have a great time. My money, I'm not doing the church's thing because I didn't feel like that was right. We get in it. We have a great time. I come back. I'm telling the youth group, man, I took Amy to that deal. Guess what? This guy brings it to the deacons in the church that the youth director is wasting church money on breakfast at, at Reunion Tower. So I'm like, mm, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it the right way. So I go and I sit down in their living room with them, and I'm like, hey, man, Number one, it was my money. It wasn't the church's money. Number two, it was dinner, not breakfast. And, and number three, why didn't you talk to me before you talked to the deacons? Because we could have cleared this up. And they're like, well, I, you know, uh, yeah, we won't do that again. I'm, you know, I'm sorry that happened. Well, two months later, they did it again. Something else. And I'm talking to my buddy Harold. And I'm like, man, they did it again. And they're saying bad things about me. And now i got to go clear it up. i got to go see them again. And he said, he called me Willie. He said, Willie, can I tell you something? I said, what? He said, everybody knows you and everybody knows them. And if you're going to, if you're going to go to their house, every time they say something negative about you, you're going to spend your life in their living room. That's what he said. And here's the insight he gave me. He said, if you're in ministry, it has to be okay to be misunderstood. Harold's with Jesus now, but I've never forgotten that. 
It has to be okay to be. That's, that's not correction, that's insight. And there are truths that we know. Look, I have blind spots, you have insights, right? And, and I don't even know what I don't know, but you do, and you can help me. One last thing, I need to receive the truth. Can I say something, church? Stop being so stinking defensive. I mean, you can't tell anybody anything. You can read them the Bible and they'll get offended. It's like, look, I didn't say that. Paul did. We need to stop being so defensive and be teachable. We're all in process. I'm in process. I'm not, I'm not where I want to be. I mean, and I'm hoping someday, every day, I'll get better, but I haven't arrived. Paul said he hadn't arrived. Look at Philippians 3.13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He says, I've not achieved it. I haven't, I'm not there. I still need help. I need your help. And you can't achieve it if you're so st stinking defensive all the time. Be teachable. Speaking truth in love implies that you'll receive truth in the love that it was given so that we can all grow up, right? We can all grow up. But look, I can't do that alone. You can't do that alone. That's why we need each other. We get carried away, man. And when you get carried away in isolation, you believe the lies that are told and then you tell the lies to yourself and you begin to act on the lies you live in. I need your truth and that's why we need each other. We all need Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, today's your day. We all need correction. We all need insight. And we all need each other. And so thank God for the community, for the family that can speak truth. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the truth that comes through Jesus. And I, Father, I pray for those that are without Christ right now. They don't have to know any magic formula. They just know, they know they're lost. They may not know the right words to say or any of that, but Father, just in this moment, I just pray that they would pray this prayer. Just, Jesus, I need You now. Just best I know how, I'm going to give myself to You. I fully commit my life to You. Do what only You can do. I'm Yours. I admit my sin. I receive Your grace and Your mercy. And Father, we thank You when that happens, that supernatural things happen in, in our lives and we are transformed and the old becomes new and we thank you for the power of transformation and salvation. But Father, we also need to hear the truth from each other, the corrective truth that pulls us back, the insightful truth that gives us insight so we know how to move ahead because we all need each other. And so, Father, as a body this morning, we just want to commit to you that we're going to not only walk in truth, we're going to receive truth and we're going to speak truth. And we just make a commitment to you, Father, that we're going to stay together. We're not going to allow ourselves to become isolated. And we're going to be teachable. 
that your Holy Spirit would use us in ways that we could never imagine you building that life story into us that will speak truth into the lives of others. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.